Good evening, and welcome to another episode of Injured Reserve Podcast. This is your host, me, myself, and I, Mitchell Anderson. Folks, I appreciate uh, the recent listens and the you know the the feedbacks and whatnot, and I appreciate everyone that's recently been following my new Facebook page and this and that, and trying to get a uh, you know a, a bigger fan base and get more people involved and whatnot. So I, I duly uh, greatly appreciate it. I'm trying to make this podcast big time. That's uh, one of the main goals, and be able to uh, entertain you guys as well, the listeners at home. You know, for those who sometimes get run down, like myself, who you know, I love music. Um, it's a thing. I you know, it's an everyday thing for me. But every once in a while, I love listening to podcasts. So you know, th- th- and I appreciate, and I like doing what I do now, which is right here, right now. You know, talking to the rest of y'all. And, uh, you know, it's something like I want, I've been wanting to do for a minute now. So, and I've just been, been kind of low key about it. And, um, I'm trying to hopefully be as big as one day as like, you know, like a Joe Rogan or Bill Burr or, um, I, I don't know, just a, a few guys, a Brendan Schaub, you know, guys like of that nature. So, but with that being said, um, let's, let's jump right into it. So recently there's been reports, uh, out uh, Portland Trailblazers, Damian Lillard, uh, he said it best, and um, personally for me, I've, I've been a Damian Lillard fan, he's probably one of my top five favorite players to watch in the NBA, I really don't have a favorite team when it comes to the NBA, because uh, one of the primary reasons why I'm going to get into right now is because of this, Damian Lillard said, uh, he basically, I'm paraphrasing, but he would never leave his team, he would never sell out to just to chase rings. And basically, what he's saying, in a nice gesture, uh, in a polite manner, is he would never go, you know, join uh, super forces or super team or big three, big four, whatever you want to call it, like the Golden State or the Miami Heat or the Boston Celtics, you know, all players, i.e., like Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Kevin Garnett, uh, Paul Pierce, things of that nature. But the significant difference between Golden State and Miami Heat is uh you know when it came to Boston that whole quote unquote big three man uh people forget like what was it uh 10 11 years ago when that when they when they formed that team they they were over the hill basically Paul Pierce Kevin Garnett Car- Kevin Garnett he spent 12 13 seasons in Minnesota so before he joined Boston he was well over the hill at that point and don't get me wrong like I'm not saying he was a bomb. Like, he still averaged around 16, 18 a game, but he wasn't, you know, 25 and 10 and 5, things of that nature, like a MVP Kevin Garnett was when he played for Minnesota. So the thing is, this is one of the things I enjoy about Damian Lillard or Russell Westbrook. The guys, they get criticism for some reason because their whole quote-unquote stat padding, which I don't get because these guys are leading the way. They're leading the charge. And, you know, they're doing everything in they in their power to uh, get a championship. And I'm not saying Portland's going to win it. But, you know, they, they have a solid squad. Him and CJ McCollum and uh, Nico Jorick. I, I think that's how you pronounce it. I'm not exactly sure. Uh, or, excuse me, I got him uh, confused with someone else. Uh, Joseph Nurkic. Um, they're, they're big man. 
But so you got Lillard, McCollum, and Nurkic, you know, so you got Lillard's doing phenomenal this year per usual, averaging 26, 5, and 6, uh, 5 boards, 6 assists. Uh, and then you got McCollum averaging 21, 4 boards, and uh, 3 assists. And then you got the big man in Nurkic, 15 points, and then 10 boards, and 3 assists. So, man, the thing is, Portland is, they've always been, you know, in the, um, in the mix of things when it comes to playoffs, especially a team like this and with Lillard, you know, fight fighting in the the Western Conference is no easy task whatsoever. Everyone knows that. So back back to what he was saying, you know, he would never sell out just to go chasing titles, and I like that. He's like, it's very honorable and just something. You know, it's that old school mentality of like the '80s, '90s. I wish I, you know, I was younger. To be able to go through that era, you know what I mean. Um, it was it put it this way. It came a time like back, uh, I would say late '80s, early early '90s. There came a time where, when say Chicago, where they were just about to start their dynasty run, right? Like, uh, this is after Chicago got their first title against, you know, the, the L.A. Lakers, you know, where it was just Jordan, you know, leading the charge, and then Pippen was robbing, and uh, they had to take on their their all-star talent, all five of them, such as Magic Johnson, James Worthy, um, Byron Scott, um, God, there's a few more, um, I can't think of the other two, but nonetheless, like the average, uh, the, the guys in the starting lineup, the, the least amount of points that they were scoring per game was 13. You know, I think Magic was leading the team with 25 or 21, somewhere around there. But nonetheless, uh, the Lakers were that team. People and people, for some reason, like to over criticize and say how the Lakers got old. They weren't old. Magic Johnson was only 21, or excuse me, 31. James Worthy was only 28. I think Byron Scott was maybe 27. Um, uh, they had Vladi Divac. He was he was just starting. I think that was only his second, maybe third year. He was aver- averaging a double-double. Around 13, 14 points, 10 boards, or close to it. So the Lakers had a squad. It was about, you know, four or five All-Stars against Jordan and Pippen. You know what I mean? So... So as soon as MJ was able to get that hump over, you know, the the Detroit bad boys and be able to finally cement his legacy and finally get that first championship ring, um, it came to a point where Isaiah's contract was about, you know, about to expire. This is prior to, you know, his uh, big injury where he was basically had, had to retire. I think he had a Achilles. I can't remember. But anyhow, um... Eventually, his contract was going to expire with Detroit, and he had an option where he could actually join forces in New York. But commendable as Isaiah is, he's like, no, that's Patrick Ewing's team. This is my team, and I'll leave it at that. So that just shows like the kind of mindset, uh, you know, of 20, 25 years ago. You know, Isaiah Thomas, Detroit Pistons, Michael Jordan, Chicago Bulls. Um, at, you know, um, depending on what era you want to see it, but, uh, you know, 80s Magic or maybe Cream or whoever. Uh, I'm trying to see who else. Uh, 
the Larry Bird Celtics '80s. You know, when you when you name a team, when you name teams like that, the first guy that's gonna pop up in your head is so and so, right? Like the main guy, the the head chief, the main commander. So it's guys like that, right? That that uh, that built the NBA for what it is today. Well, unfortunately, the the era in NBA today is just yeah. Let's go, you know, let's go form a the Justice League or the Avengers of all-star talent. And now here, you know, I can, I'm trying to get the perspective of both sides and I can see, you know, like how you want to play with some of your friends or whatever that you custom to knowing or got, got to know the older you got into the, the, the NBA. But it's just, that's why when it comes to, Someone like LeBron James, you know, the the last like assassin mentality, besides you know Damian Lillard or Russell Westbrook, um, or uh, James Harden, is uh, was Kobe Bryant. You don't see that that look from other NBA players. LeBron James, great dude, nice guy on and off the court, doesn't really you know. And, you know, he's just he's just not that guy. Puts up a lot of points, this and that. And I'll, I'll remain with my statement. He's the paint manning of the NBA. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, he'll get, uh, you know, a whole bunch of stats, break records, surpass a few people on a list here and there, points, rebounds, however you want to call it. But at the end of the day, you know, he's going to fall short when it comes to the championships and the accomplishments things of that nature so LeBron James he's he's starting to dwindle down so the thing is it's like uh, you really think when you say LeBron James what's the first thing that comes up in your mind and personally for me it's he left Cleveland formed a big three in Miami everyone in their prime Chris Bosh Dwayne Wade before Wade's knee injuries started to succumb him and they went to four finals. I think four straight. Yeah, about four straight finals. And they should have won all four. My that my that Miami Heat team from the 2000 what was it 2012 to 2016, 15, whatever it was. Um they should have won all four NBA finals, no doubt about it. There was man that that was the team before the golden state warriors this was the miami heat what we see in the golden state warriors now is the miami heat so it's they should have and so i i don't know that's just my percent the miami heat they're easily top 10 that that squad that roster for that four-year tenure that's easily top 10 team of all time in nba history without no question and it's just it's also another team that you know that should have like I said, they should have gone four for four. Four for four like Jay-Z. But nonetheless, they went two for two. Uh, the infamous choke job against the Dallas Mavericks. And then um, struggled against the aging Spurs. Um, and they beat they did beat them one time back in 2013, the summer of 2013. They beat the Oklahoma City Thunder in 2014. So, but nonetheless, uh, we're just in a different era. And... I guess guys like who like myself just gotta accept that, and I'm not I'm not like saying it's all bad, but like 
I just don't want to hear a comparison when it comes to guys like LeBron James compared to other greats. You know what I mean? That actually achieved things um, the way they wanted. They, they didn't form it. They didn't form anything. They didn't ask anyone to come over here, this and that. So it's just that. You know, LeBron's top 10. I just don't have my top five because I just think of him forming, you know, because Wade is easily, Dwayne Wade's easily top 15. Easily, no doubt. Chris Bosh, he's a, he's a top 10 power forward. Maybe, uh, well, top top 10. Uh, I would have to rethink that one, actually. Top 20 easily. Maybe 15. But, nonetheless, uh, Damian Lillard sticking by his guns. I lo- love the dude. Uh, I think Portland will make a little bit of noise in the playoffs, but they ain't going to go too far in the Western Conference because it is the Western Conference. And, um, yeah, that is that. But uh, with that being said, I'm going to take a quick little break, and you are listening to Injured Reserve Podcast. Welcome back. This is Engine Reserve Podcast. Now, I'm sure some of y'all are wondering, uh, what's my take being, you know, a big Pittsburgh Steelers fan? What's the um, my take on the whole Tony Brown and Le'Veon Bell situation there? Well, first things first, I got to be real with this. Um, when it comes to the Steel City, um, I try to get perspective on both sides of the story before pointing the finger right in a way and just being, you know, stubborn and choosing one side over over, over the other. Excuse me, I can't talk today. Over the other. Well, you know, I think I said it before, but if I haven't, it's it's got to be said. Tony Brown met with uh, uh, Art Rooney the second today, and uh, they both had, you know, agreed to part ways, and it's time to move on, quote-unquote. So, and Antonio Brown basically, you know, um, he didn't come out and flat out say it, but he did say, he's like, I got respect for Ben Roethlisberger, but there's a lack of uh, responsibility. And you know what? He's right. Ben Roethlisberger lacks accountability. When you're a quarterback for a team in an organization like that, and you have all that talent around you, and you lack accountability... To take charge in your own mistakes, that ain't gonna mix well with the locker room. It don't matter, you know, how good you are or how many rings you got. Cause for one, you ain't gonna have a lot of rings with that type of mentality. Um <clears throat> Ben Roethlisberger has two rings. He's two and one in the Super Bowls. One in Super Bowl 40. Mainly because of that defense, let's be real. Ben Ben threw an interception. He didn't really do a whole lot. Um, Antoine Randall threw a touchdown actually on a trick play to Heinz Ward to beat the Seattle Seahawks. And it was 21 to 10. Super Bowl 40 at Ford Field in Detroit, Michigan. And then Super Bowl 43 in uh, Arizona Cardinals Stadium. Or was it Arizona? No, it wasn't. They're were facing the Arizona Cardinals, but um, it, it, he did. I will give him credit for that one because he did lead the final drive in that one uh, where they won 27 23. Um, Ben Roethlisberger led drive and the game, or, uh, I wouldn't say, 
It was the game winning touchdown. He was thrown to San Antonio Holmes. So, and San Antonio Holmes won the MVP in uh, Super Bowl 43. Heinz Ward won the Super Bowl MVP in Super Bowl 40. And then uh, they end up eventually end up going back to make it in Super Bowl 45, I believe. And that's when they face the Green Bay Packers. And uh, they end up losing uh, Aaron Rodgers. And uh, the infamous defense in that one, Clay Matthews, Charles Woodson, all those guys. Which <laughs> was a very interesting matchup at the time. Because uh, Pitt's defense with James Harrison, Troy Palmalu. But the question was, you know, they were aging at that time. But, um, uh, and plus both uh, franchises are pretty, you know, just legendary in, in themselves. Green Bay looking to get their first title since, like, God, uh, 97, when it, uh, when Favre was the quarterback, nonetheless. So Aaron Rodgers beat Pittsburgh, and, and uh, it was looking solid for, you know, they were, Pittsburgh was looking, on paper, looked great, you know, from 2000 to 2010, you know, two Super Bowls in the decade, and, and, uh, technically from, you know, 2004 to 2011, yeah, they were within seven-year span of three Super Bowls, so things were on the, you know, on the horizon, things looked solid, Tony Brown, they draft sixth round, steal out of Central Michigan, um, pick up Mike Wallace, SMU, uh, they did pretty solid with Mike Wallace, but he didn't, they didn't come to terms with the contract. So they let him go. He parts ways. And I believe he heads to Miami. So here comes Antonio Brown. This young, you know, this young buck out of Central Michigan University. Solid year. Um, they're about to give him a solid payday. Give him a contract extension once Mike Wallace decide, decided to leave Pittsburgh. And uh, Ryan Clark even said this before. The safety for Pittsburgh. Um, former uh, Pittsburgh Steeler. Ryan Clark, I'm paraphrasing a bit, but Ryan Clark even said, he's like, if you give that man his money, his ego is going to expand tremendously. It's going to be a big head in the room. And sure enough, he was right. Um, There was reports of, you know, once he got that big payday and that contract, Antonio Brown uh, wasn't the Antonio Brown that I think a lot of people knew that personally knew him at Central Michigan or whatever. So there was talks, you know, at the time, Dick Lambeau, the defensive coordinator, or was the defensive coordinator at the time back in, or God knows how many years, but back in 2013, 2014, Tony Brown ended up cussing out Dick Lambeau for something. And, you know, a lot of defensive players didn't like that because, one, that's their defensive coordinator. You know, you're on the offense, you stick to your offense, we'll stick to our defense. And,. So there was a lot, you know, a lot of shady things going on in the locker room. That a lot of players didn't see eye to eye, and the, the chemistry was a lot worse than people thought. So this accumulated over time and uh, time and the time again. After a couple years, and of course the infamous Facebook Live video back in 2017, um, they get that dub against the Kansas City Chiefs in the divisional round in the playoffs. And Tony Brown goes on Facebook Live while Mike Tomlin's talking to the team. And if there's anything that people don't know is you never do anything live on social media when it comes to team events such as holding, as you know, watching film 
or uh, having, you know, after a big W, you don't you don't start recording. Things are personal, and of course, things. Uh, Mike Tomlin said some things about the upcoming game against New England, and that sparked a fire in New England. Even though they don't really need motivation, but that doesn't help to give New England more motivation as they need. And um, basically, to to look at everything full circle, Tony Brown, Ben Roethlisberger, and Le'Veon Bell, because they have certain privileges because of who they are and what they've done and what they have accomplished so far. They just have this mentality where they can see how far they can take it. Mike Tomlin's a great coach, phenomenal one, one of the best. But he, and he's a player's coach. He looks out for them. But he lacks discipline. And when you lack discipline with your players and you're not rough on them, there's going to come a time where, you know, they're going to be like, all right, well, he let me do this, or I got a slap on the wrist for doing this. Let's see how far I can take this. You know, I already got paid. I already got my money. I'm already putting up these numbers. So, you know, I don't see as far, you know, that player's mentality, they see, you know, they see things fit for their favor, you know. So with that being said, um, it's uh, it's not just the Tony Brown's fault um, or Le'Veon Bell. There's, you know, there's a lot of blame on Ben Roethlisberger. Mike Tomlin should have done a few things differently, but that's not the case. So, um... You know, it is what it is. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers got nine prime years out of Tony Brown. So, can't complain there. Um, he, you know, I mean, he, hey, he's 30 years old. He turns 31 in July. So, uh, there's reports that so far the trade plan is uh, San Fran is eyeing up uh, Tony Brown. Tony Brown follows San Francisco. Uh, that's where Tony Brown wants to go. I don't know why San Fran, but that's what's looking like so far. Um, supposedly, uh, right now, as it looks, the Steelers could send Brown a 2026 round pick to San Fran in exchange for a 2019 second round pick and a 2020 fifth round pick. So, but we'll see how the rest of the saga, you know, concludes. Uh, uh, we're just gonna, I don't know, we're gonna see, um, I uh, I get I wish them the best of luck. I'm a fan of Tony Brown still, regardless. I got his jersey, you know. It's and it's cool to see someone such as along the light a lot of them. Excuse me, along the likes of a Central Michigan alum, make it big. So um, I don't like I said. Um, despite you know whatever has happened in the past or whatever he's done, I wish him the best of luck. Now, um, yeah, that's it. I'm not. I'm not gonna be one of those fans that's gonna burn a jersey. Why? Because jerseys are effing expensive. That's why. <laughs> I ain't gonna burn no jersey. Ain't no. Ain't no way in hell I'm doing that. Especially I got it as a gift. So, and it's a nice jersey. So, I'll still rep the jersey, even you know, despite where wherever he's going. And then, as far for Le'Veon Bell situation, that's gonna be an iffy one because they haven't been in talking terms at all. <laughs> supposedly and not only that but when Le'Veon Bell took off this whole season off um he supposedly there are reports that he, you know his usual weight of 225 he's at 260 now so that's going to be a cause for concern for Pittsburgh and how they're gonna uh 
trade him or how they're going to want to deal with him. Is he still in NFL shape? Is it true that he gained 30 plus pounds? Um, do players want to sign him and, or do teams want to pick him up? Is he going to play for that team? Is he going to sit out for another year? What's his mentality? Uh, you know, he sit out this season. How, you know, how's he going to do us dirty maybe? So, uh, right now, um, they're going to see what they can, uh, you know, sign from. Um, as far as the, the reports right now, it's not looking too solid. People don't think um, Pitt isn't going to get a solid trade for Bell. He said the best bet is just to let him walk, which is, I mean, I can't lie. As a fan, that's a kick in the dick. <laughs> that is a kick in the dick, especially someone like that. And I wanted Pittsburgh to trade him before the trade deadline this year. I don't know why, but that that's on us. So, if anything, we deserve not to get anything from. So, cuz if you didn't trade him this past season and he's just making matters worse in the off season, it is what it is. Uh, but uh we'll see. I don't know. Um we do have some, you know, plus side we do have some options, you know, Juju's going to be back, so he's going to be solid. Uh, Vance McDonald has had a, a solid year at, at tight end. Same with uh, Jesse James. There's also a fallback for, you know, we got James Conner, young running back, fresh legs. And uh, Jalen Samuels as well. And there's even rumors of uh, D'Angelo Williams could come back for Pitt. Still hasn't retired. And uh, Frank Gore as well. But supposedly right now uh, Frank Gore is going to return back to Miami. Uh, the widely old vet at 35 years old. Um, if Frank Gore is to come back, he's uh, due to surpass. Um, God, who is he going to pass? I just saw the list the other day. But nonetheless, Frank Gore is a, he's about to eclipse like 15,000 yards rushing. He's 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 like top five, top six. Um, he's doing he's he's done a phenomenal job in in his career as well. Um, and for someone along the likes of his age, he's 35. He'll be 36 in May. He had over 700 yards carries. Excuse me. So he's er, not 700 yards carry. Uh, 700 yards rushing, average over four and a half yards. Um, they just split the carries with him because of I'm assuming just because of his age. But even then, I mean, he even when he uh, went from San Fran to Indy, he was able to get over a thousand yards here and there. So. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see, um, especially how things pan out in Miami. Um, they picked up uh, one of New England's defense uh, coordinators um, and hired him as head coach. I can't remember his name right now off the top of my head. And uh, as far as I know, the reports from Miami is Ryan Tannehill ain't going to be the guy. But Frank Gorsuch at number four right now. And uh, if he comes back next if he come, if he returns for another season, I mean, if he stays healthy, which he's had a very you know solid healthy career, I'm a fan of Frank Gore. Um, uh, he'll uh, he'll eclipse Barry Sanders, but he does need let's see two fifty two that puts him at fifteen k, another two sixty nine, so it's two four fifty two. So around five, six hundred yards, somewhere around there, five sixty-one, uh, certain guess. But 
basically, if he gets uh, 600 yards this season, if he returns, he'll surpass Barry Sanders, and he'll be number three on the spot on the lock. <coughs> Which is crazy, because Frank Gore has uh, over 300 more carries than Barry Sanders, and he's still behind him. Uh, so that's just to show who's the GOAT at running back, which is Barry Sanders. Now Emmitt Smith and Walter Payton. That's just <laughs> that's that's just my agenda. Uh, you know, Barry Sanders legit could have had 20,000 yards rushing because he retired still in his prime. But uh, that's a discussion for another time. But with that being said, I'm going to take a quick little break, and you are listening to Injured Reserve Podcast. Welcome back to Injured Reserve Podcast. So, recent, uh, one of the, uh, I wouldn't say a big transaction, but uh, if you're a Denver Broncos fan, I would say it's a a pretty solid transaction, a big one for y'all's take. Um, Denver acquired Joe Flacco on a trade uh, from Baltimore Ravens. So, obviously, I think we all saw this coming once uh, Jim, or not Jim, uh, John Harbaugh, um, you know, they're at one point Baltimore was four and five and they were struggling. They didn't think they were gonna do anything or they might miss the playoffs. At the time my Steelers were I think seven, two and one at the time, or whatever it was. But mid midway through the season it looked like Pitt was gonna clinch the division and Baltimore was gonna crumble. But uh John Harbaugh made a significant change, a bold one. And it worked in their favor, you know. Uh, this year, Joe Flacco was four and five as a starter, and uh, he was kind of injury riddled a little, little bit. And um, he didn't have a bad season, you know. It was just he was he was playing hurt, basically. You know, he he looked a little hurt out there. He had twelve t- touchdowns and six picks this this season. Not bad. Um, so it looks like Baltimore, obviously, the girl build their their game plan around Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson did solid this year for them, and I hope he does well in the future. Uh, But uh, the case in point, I think uh, Denver did a solid pickup. Uh, Big step up from Case Keenum. Uh, Case Keenum was not the answer. And I feel like uh, whatever John Elway is trying to do for Denver, it ain't working. So he better hope this works. Uh, Whether... (laughs) Because his selection of quarterbacks have been trash. I'm going to be honest. It's been trash. The only good thing he's done so far was with when they should have. Well, I wouldn't even say it was a good thing. It was a terrible thing. He They, they pursued Peyton Manning. Colts got, uh, let Peyton Manning go. And they picked him up. And they let Tim Tebow go. First of all, that was a terrible idea. He should have. Uh, Tim Tebow gave you all a run. And then you pick up Peyton Manning the following season. And you let. Tebow go yeah he gets y'all playoff dub and then you release the guy so it's just you know um something like that when you have um a quarterback like Manning and then you have a quarterback that got you a W in the playoffs 
when people said it was impossible for him to even get one W in the regular season. And they were, I think, God, I think they were sitting at like two and six at the time back in 2011. And the Broncos went on a winning streak. They finished season six and two, clinched the wild card at eight and eight. And, um, you know, they, the rest is history. They beat the Pittsburgh Steelers in overtime at home. So, but nonetheless, they should have kept Tim Tebow, pick up Peyton Manning, let the development between those two work, work out Tebow a little bit, work on his arm. Uh, sure, he struggled at throwing, but you get someone like along the likes of Peyton Manning, you would have been fine. You would have had a set future for another 10 years since Peyton was injury riddled with neck injuries about three, four different times. So, um, with that being said, I mean, hell, uh, <laughs> Peyton Manning was playing worse than, you know, than T- Tim Tebow was when people gave him uh, spitter and spatter. Peyton Manning shouldn't even been a quarterback in his final season. Let's put it that way. Let's be real about it. That defense saved Peyton Manning, and everyone knows it. But um, uh, Joe Flacco is uh, some particular reason. Um, he's he's made uh, six playoff appearances, not total, but in in his career uh, from two uh, two thousand eight oh nine ten eleven twelve and fourteen. So within that span. Uh, He's had, he's had 15 playoff games, 15 starts. And if you just take out 2008, 2009, where, which were just absolute disasters, um, I think he was still figuring things out and uh, Jen Harbaugh was still developing with him because it clearly shows. Because you take out those 2008, those 2009 playoff appearances, um, his stats in the playoffs are phenomenal. You get Joe, if Joe Flacco stays healthy, and he's not a quarterback that's got ooh and eye on the regular season. Uh, he, you know, he'll get he'll get y'all twenty one touchdowns, maybe you know nine, ten picks. That's it. He's not. He doesn't turn over the ball. He's not really. You know, he's not gonna be a Brady or Favre or whatever. But you know, he he's gonna get y'all some W's nonetheless. Um, he he'll be consistent with y'all, but like. Um, where I'm leading with, you take out the 2008 and 2009 playoff appearances. Um, the the man, folks, the man has thrown 24 touchdowns and um, four picks. If you just take out 2008 and 2009, <laughs> he has 24 touchdowns and only uh, four interceptions. <coughs> and I mean, man, it's just. It's just, it's, I mean, he's 10 and 5 in the playoffs overall. So, and he showed, you know, he, he can play. He can win y'all Super Bowl. I mean, uh, 2012 was by far his best run. And that's where he got his big payday in Baltimore with that contract extension. Uh, 11 touchdowns, zero picks come in, a, in the playoffs. The problem lied after 2011. He started to struggle. He started, started to get hurt. He was playing hurt. But he just wasn't the old Flacco that we knew. So after that, um, things were a little iffy. Um, you know, uh, 2013 was probably all-time low for him. 19 touchdowns, 22 picks. And then the following season, it will come back. 27 touchdowns, 12 picks. And then uh, 2015 was rough on him because he was hurt. Uh, he only played 10 games. Uh, it was 14 touchdowns, 12 picks. And then 20 and 15... 
18 and 13, and now 12 and 6. So, uh, the last three, four years been kind of iffy on him, no doubt. But he can get you all the W. He can get the wins. Um, but I, I will say this: the the last four seasons have been have been not too kind on him. Um, he is 30. He's going to be 34. Um, oh, I thought I'd have his birthday, but, uh, he is going to be 34. So he's not old, but he's not young either. So if Denver wants to make some moves, I don't know what they're trying to do. Uh, get him, uh, some, some type of cast, some kind of wide out who knows. Uh, but if I'm a Denver fan, I'd be pretty satisfied with that. But at the same time, I'd be browsing for a quarterback, and I, I damn sure be hoping Paint Man or not Paint Man, John Elway isn't making the picks, because Paxton Lynch is straight trash, and his idea of picking up Case Keenum because of one little big season of Minnesota, and that in that holiday, not holiday, that miracle highlight, that miracle in Minnesota. I mean, I think that was just off the, I think that was just in the moment for. Uh, John Elway. I think Elway's kind of overrated as a GM, but that's just my my personal opinion. So, but uh, who knows? Um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, like I said, uh, 30, 34 is not old, but it's not young either. Uh, for a quarterback, that's uh, it's getting up there. But hey, then again, I mean. Tom Brady won the Super Bowl at the age of 41, the oldest quarterback in NFL history to win one. So, uh, but we'll see because Brady does turn 42 when the next season starts, and uh, I think this is the quote-unquote cliff that a lot of people will be talking about that he's going to fall off. Uh, two years ago, two, three years ago, people were saying he's going to fall off. So I could be wrong. I don't know. Uh, Tom Brady's built like he—he's uh, from Asgard or what, whatever, something out of Marvel. Or he's got that Wolverine blood in him, but nonetheless, uh, no pun intended, because I know he's from Michigan. But I mean that X Men Logan Wolverine blood on him, that adamantium in him. The dude just keeps recovering somehow. But um, um, with that being said, I appreciate y'all listening in. Um, it's Wednesday night. I'm chilling. Hope everyone's week has been good so far, and. Um, you uh y'all have been listening to Engine Reserve. I appreciate y'all listening again. If y'all got any uh cause for concern, comments, questions, whatever, please feel free to voice your opinion. But until next time, this is the Engine Reserve Podcast, and y'all have a great day. God bless.